With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Liberty and the Law, the podcast series that examines the critical elements of a strong legal defense in criminal cases. Join respected attorney James Dore for this lively discussion on the rights of criminal defendants and the important role defense attorneys play in our legal system. When charged with a uh, criminal offense, there's, there's probably two phases of the defense process. The first is to contest the charges uh, in uh, court or through other means, and in the best-case scenario, be acquitted or have charges dismissed. However, uh, in cases, many cases, in which someone is found guilty, either through a, a plea arrangement or trial, a sentencing phase follows, and that is uh, just as important in determining the impact on the defendant's life. Hi, everybody. This is Jim Mitchell. And today on Liberty and the Law, we're going to dig into the sentencing phase a bit as we discuss factors that must be accounted for by a defense attorney. Uh, as always, the attorney will rely on for guidance brings uh, more than two decades of experience. As I welcome back to the podcast, Attorney James Dore of Lavelle Law. Um, looking forward to this one, James. Thank you for being here. Nice to talk to you again on a uh, Monday afternoon. Uh, Jim, you're very welcome. I'm uh, looking forward to this, and uh, let's get into it. This is a good topic. Yeah, we, we kind of step away from some of our constitutional discussions to get into more uh, um, just sort of operational things here today. And in, in our conversations, sometimes it's easy for me to reference terms we hear in the media as that's a sort of a common point of reference for those of us not in the legal field. And when criminal cases are discussed, we often hear terms or phrases like, which carries a sentence of up to 10 years in prison or carries a minimum fine of $200. Um, do the courts have specific guidelines, minimums, maximums that they follow in sentencing? Well, sure. And in, in, in the general scheme of things, cases can be divided into felony or misdemeanor, and these are criminal cases or simply you know, the traffic cases, um, petty offenses. And mm-hmm. for from petty offenses on up, the statutes uh, uh, minimums and maximums for each sentence. And then the judge on top of it can also consider aggravating or mitigating factors. Uh, quite often there's sentencing minimums that get passed on uh, or enhancements that get passed on, such as you know commission of a crime with a firearm or uh, uh, maybe uh, a crime that uh, uh, involves a victim that has a protected status. So there's other uh, statutory provisions a judge can consider while yeah. sentencing a defendant. Well, so you, you raised two points that I want to get to right away. The first, probably the shorter one, uh, you mentioned a judge. So in terms of responsibility for determining a sentence in a case, is that a, the judge as opposed to a jury in a jury trial? Are they the ones who decide what the sentence will be? That's correct. If you, if you uh, say you have a jury trial, a jury would decide guilt or innocence for the most part. But if, say, a, a, judge does find, or a jury does find a person guilty, then the, the sentencing phase would be conducted in by the judge. Now, this is you know, most felonies or most misdemeanors. There's some, you know, vague uh, uh, 
uh, things to consider that a jury could pass on, such as death penalty cases and whatnot. But for the most part, the, the sentencing is done by a judge after a finding of, of guilt. Okay. Um, so some of the things you mentioned there, and I, this is great, I had these things kind of lined up I want to talk about, so I'm glad you dove right in there. When when um, making those determinations, uh, you mentioned certain factors. So let's let's start with what are known as uh, aggravating factors. Can you kind of explain what that term right. means? Sure. These are these are factors, and there's actually, you know, uh, uh, Illinois passed a statute um, uh, requiring that certain factors be uh, accorded weight, um, you know, if they're found. Um, so they have an aggravating a section for mitigating and aggravating factors. So in the aggravating factors, there's uh, you know, several uh, things that we could look at or that a judge could look at in, in deciding whether or not prison is important or, or prison is mandated in a certain case and whether or not uh, a, a lengthy prison sentence would be uh, contemplated. So in these factors, the, the defendant would be arguing for, say, uh, probation uh, with no, no sort of any sort of imprisonment, whereas a prosecutor would be arguing for imprisonment and in many cases an extended term uh, based on these aggravating factors. Um, so they could be something simple like, uh, who the victim was, if the victim was, say, in a protected class, uh, had a, a physical disability, or, um, say, they were elderly, or any other number of things, such as mm-hmm. uh, a police officer or some uh, a corrections personnel uh, in, their, in their proper role. They could be get given extended protection, which translates into a lengthier term of prison or you know, a, a harsher sentence on the part of the judge. Okay. Uh, and what about mitigating factors, then? Okay, mitigating factors, simple things that a lot of people would be familiar with, like, oh, he'd never been in trouble before. Ah, that's something a judge could consider, lack of any criminal history, okay? Or he hasn't been in trouble since he was a kid, okay? There's been a length of time since there's been a, 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 any kind of uh, arrest. So, But the judge can also look at hardship to other people, say a, a sole breadwinner of a, of a um, family. Instead of putting that person in prison, and then leaving the burden burden of supporting that family on somebody else, more than likely the state, they the, the judge could consider ah let's let's let this person work and I'll craft another punishment that keeps him working and supporting his family while at the same time we can still punish this this person and make sure this doesn't happen again. So, so if I'm hearing this right and correct me here, but it sounds like with regard to aggravating factors, the judge has guidelines they they have to follow if those exist, whereas with mitigating factors, it becomes more of your job to get those in front of the judge to say, hey, wait, before you do something, I want you to make sure you consider these things. Is that the right way to look at it from your role? It's kind of both of our jobs, really. It's it's ultimately the judge's job to make sure the process is fair and all factors in mitigation and in aggravation are considered and given their proper weight. But in real life, you know, the, the, the defense uh, attorney needs to be standing up and saying words in support of his client. And in these mitigating factors are something that can always be pointed out. So, Judge, you have to give proper weight to these factors. So a little bit of both on that one, a little bit of both. Okay. And and it, let's talk a little bit about the sent- sentencing process. So this is something that uh, kind of occurs post-trial. A verdict has been given, and, and um, the judge may take some time then to determine the uh, – the sentencing is that another phase of your work then you you've got to get things pulled together and and present is there a, a like a hearing process that's involved 
Exactly. It's, a, it's that's exactly what it is, uh, Jim. A hearing process called a sentencing hearing, and mm-hmm. after a finding of, of say, there's a finding of guilty, then the judge can set a matter down for a sentencing hearing, and that's where the prosecutor would point out the the crime that occurred and the factors in mitigation, and a defense attorney would be able to present factors in mitigation, other character evidence, and a prosecutor can also put in, um, you know, victim impact uh, statements at certain times or bring in, uh, you know, uh, crimes, uh, crime victims to testify uh, at the sentencing hearing. So there's, there's any number of things that could be admitted as new evidence, such as testimony and documents that wouldn't have been considered at all during the trial. Now, we're, we're talking about the role of the uh, defense attorney here um, in these cases that have gone to trial. If someone, they, they kind of know they're guilty, they they don't want to mess around with a lot, they just want to get the process over, so they just plead guilty. Um, it sounds like because there's a sentencing phase, it still makes sense for them to have an attorney, even yeah. though there may not be a trial process up front, but to provide the guidance to make sure the sentence is, is fair and minimized for them. Yeah, that's right, Jim. I mean, it, it, the defense attorney isn't always focused on, you know, can we beat this charge? Because quite often there's there's not a defense or not a perfect defense. So we're also looking, at, you know, again, real-world solutions. Um, there here's an arrest that needs to be worked through the system. So if somebody does contemplate, like, ah, I, I did wrong, I'm just going to go in and plead guilty, there's still that whole next stage of sentencing and what's going to happen to me if I plead guilty or you know, mm-hmm. if I'm found guilty. And, and you know, we talked on previous uh, podcasts, Jim, about negotiations with the prosecutor and how it's important to establish that relationship. Because sometimes, you know, it, quite often these, these matters are. They're dealt mm-hmm. out through the process of plea negotiations and sentencing hearings are a matter of uh, presenting a, in a, an agreed-upon sentence to the judge and having that judge determine whether it's fair and in the best interest of justice. But it, it's certainly not where the judge is put on the spot to render uh, a sentence because uh, that, that work, the heavy lifting has been done by the prosecutor and the defense attorney in that case. Yeah, that's a great point, and I want to talk about that um, just momentarily here. Let me direct people over to LavelleLaw.com uh, before we run out of time. And uh, they can do that as a means of learning more about uh, Attorney James Dore, who's our uh, uh, expert here on uh, Liberty and the Law, and you can read some of the articles he's written and uh, learn more about the uh, criminal defense services he provides. He's got a great reputation in the industry, and his many years of experience have, have benefited clients in all types of cases. And each month, uh, he sets aside a few minutes to join us here on Liberty and the Law, and all of those podcasts can also be found at LavelleLaw.com. Um, and, and one of those podcasts, as you mentioned, was about plea bargain. So essentially, um, the the sentencing portion of that, what what would be agreed upon between you and the prosecutor, is gets wrapped up into that uh, plea bargain negotiation. Is that right? Is that that's all part of that process to make sure that um, everybody's happy or at least agrees to a, a fair sentence in the in a plea bargain case. Well, that's that's exactly right, Jim. Except for, I don't know if everybody's happy, but it's a matter <laughs> of getting things worked through the system where at least everybody can deal with the outcome. So. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's it, uh, in, in. Let's say there's a, a number of charges that have been filed in a case. Now the, the the agreement can contemplate a plea of guilty, say to just one charge, and numerous charges being dismissed, and with the agreed upon outcome of that charge. So, say avoiding jail time or avoiding a conviction, or there's any number of things that could be agreed upon between the state's attorney and the defense attorney in disposing of the, of the file. And uh, 
You know, at that point, it's it's much easier to have a sentencing hearing when the defense attorney and prosecutor are on the same page and presented almost a unified front to the judge, saying, "Hey, we both think this is fair outcome here, judge." So it, it's it's you know it's rare that the judges set upon in the state courts, at least rare that they uh, um, you know would would not approve of a of, uh, a fair sentencing you know, in that in that kind of case. And, and in terms of uh, just a difference in intensity or severity, perhaps, um, uh, in terms of the, the, the alleged crime and the sentencing, is there any significant differences between misdemeanor and, and felonies in terms of the process that we're talking about today? Um, yeah, it's much more involved, as you could imagine, in, in a felony scenario. Um, the, 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 the charges are more serious. They're more likely to have sentencing provisions in the, built into the code by the legislature, and uh, and, and uh, prison becomes a much more likely scenario in a felony case, and just jail time in general becomes much more likely, whether or not it's county or or in state prison, as opposed to say a misdemeanor case. So, the sentencing is is quite uh, is a little more serious in, in the felony cases. And what what can a defendant do, if anything, throughout this this process? Uh, we've also had discussions about how they need to present themselves and um, you know obviously be truthful with their attorney, get all the facts out, and how they present themselves to the judge. Uh, uh, does their appearance and and perhaps their ability to describe their personal situation uh, fall into that uh, uh, mitigating circumstance category? Right. In in those kind of cases where we're you know, we're eyeballing, you know, putting this case in the best light so the judge can you know, render a sentence that we, we would consider fair, so avoiding jail time or whatever the case may be. Um, your appearance in court, always important because it shows respect for the court system. Being on time, also. be Always be on time for your court appearances. If you're late, if they have to issue a warrant and recall it, it always looks bad sitting in that file. Um, Help your help your attorney get together the evidence of good works you've done in your life. If you've done any charity work, get a letter from somebody. If you if you have uh, people that can attest to your good character, you're going to want to see good character reference letters to present in court. And anything, any evidence of your education or, or uh, uh, advancements in your career, you're going to want that in the hands of your attorney so he can make the best argument in your favor. Well. Um certainly a lot of things to consider here and just another glimpse into the work that uh, is done by defense attorneys and as always we're grateful to have a a very experienced one with us here on Liberty and Law so thanks to James Dorr for joining us today Uh, always uh, appreciate his insight Um, we do ask of course if you'd like to learn more that you visit LavelleLaw.com you can reach James Dorr at 847-705-7555 and uh, he'll pick up the call and talk to you a little bit about uh, your particular case and, uh, again, feel free to read some of the articles, listen to the podcast. Uh, they're all available for you at lavellelaw.com. And we'll look forward to having you join us when uh, James Dorr is back with us again for a, another edition of Liberty and the Law. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.